All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I am continuing my training camp previews going position by position. And today we're talking about the Falcons quarterback position, as well as expectations on Matt Ryan entering 2021. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalFans.com, RIP. Still going strong, however, on Twitter at FalFans. And, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode, we will be previewing the Falcons quarterback position, talking about Matt Ryan, A.J. McCarron, and Felipe Franks. We'll talk about those latter two guys in terms of whether or not either one of these guys has a long-term future in Atlanta, or are they sort of just placeholders? We'll talk a bit about sort of projections on Matt Ryan's numbers, sort of looking at what he has left in the tank. But when it comes to projecting numbers, there's no better source for you uh, than the Lockdown Fantasy Football Podcast, because if you're looking for that edge to help you win your fantasy league this year, the host of the Lockdown Fantasy Football Podcast, Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News, gets you the day that gives you that daily edge so that your fantasy squad never fails. Subscribe to the Lockdown Fantasy Football Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So when talking about the Falcons quarterback position, as I have done for all these positional previews, um, you know, let's talk about the various roster changes and the depth chart entering training camp uh, before we sort of dive deeper into the individual players. And we'll spend obviously the bulk of today's conversation talking about Matt Ryan. But obviously the Falcons uh, lost two uh, quarterbacks in Matt Schaub to retirement and Kurt Bankert, who was released and is now with the Green Bay Packers, uh, much to the chagrin of Falcons Twitter. And replacing those two guys behind Matt Ryan is, of course, A.J. McCarron, expected to be that number two quarterback, and Felipe Franks, the undrafted free agent that spent this past year at Arkansas, but prior to that was the starting quarterback at Florida um, and, you know, is well known to players like Kyle Pitts uh, for that reason. So obviously the Falcons depth chart isn't a surprising one. You got Matt Ryan atop it. AJ McCarron, number two, and Felipe Franks, number three. And I think this is one of those positions where you're not really going to get much competition. I think really the Falcons kind of know where everybody fits in right now, and it's just whether or not the guys live up to the expectations that go with their various spots on the quarterback depth chart. And obviously that, of course, starts with Matt Ryan having a better season uh, and then what he has had over the last two years when he has ostensibly, when you look at the numbers uh, over the last two years combined has essentially been a league average starter. Um, and so we need a little bit more from Matt Ryan um, coming up uh, this season and coming up on today's lockdown Falcons podcast. Um, we will get into whether or not we can realistically expect to see improvement from Matt Ryan and sort of what that means 
improvement might manifest itself in. And we'll focus quite a bit on sort of what areas where Matt Ryan needs to get better um, as well as what areas uh, in this offense, particularly the play action offense uh, where Matt Ryan will have an opportunity to shine. So we'll talk about that coming up on today's locked on Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the locked on ultimate NBA 2021 mock draft. If you subscribe to the ultimate NFL mock draft back in April, uh, then you're subscribed to the ultimate NBA mock draft. It's on the same feed. You just got to go to wherever your favorite podcast app is and, and search ultimate NBA mock draft. And just like the NFL one, you know, they're throwing up a handful of picks, uh, each and every day. And of course you got the Hawks coming up later this week. I can't remember quite what day it is. Obviously, you know, I'm an NFL guy, so I don't commit the NBA schedule to memory uh, as much as I should. But uh, if you're a Hawks fan or you're a fan of any team in the NBA, you're just a draft junkie. Uh, of course, check out that ultimate mock draft on whatever your favorite podcast app is. So bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online gives you the latest news, odds and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like now to get started at bet online. The NBA playoffs are ongoing. You have the British open, the summer Olympics coming up. You have baseball season in full swing and you can track all that action at bet online. You can get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, including if Matt Ryan's connection to Calvin Ridley will lead him to become the NFL's leading receiver in yards this season. He's got nine to one odds, which are the second best odds behind last year's receiving yards leader and Stefan Diggs uh, on bet online. Just head over to the website to get in on that action um, and use the promo code locked on and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That means if you deposit 500, you get $250 in free money to play with, with that promo code locked on bet online, your online sports book experts. So when we're talking about Matt Ryan, he has been a very, um, let's say contested, uh, topic of conversation, uh, this past off season. And, you know, I have expressed my concerns about Matt Ryan's longevity in this league on the podcast. And let's talk about those things. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, before we start talking about why Matt Ryan, uh, can and should and, and, and hopefully will be successful in 2021. And for me, the main concerns with Matt Ryan moving forward are going to be that come with an aging quarterback are the arm strength and the pocket presence. And those are two things that generally diminish with age, you know, arm strength, obviously, because guys get old and pocket presence, same reason, because guys get old and basically get tired of getting hit. Um, and then tend to have a quicker trigger. Uh, you know, to me, this was the main thing that happened with Eli Manning towards the end of his career and, and led to him struggling over the last five to seven years of his NFL career. And, you know, the arm strength with Matt Ryan's not a major concern for me right now. He's never had a great arm. Um, but your, your concern is at some point, uh, should his arm diminish, you're going to potentially have a similar dynamic that what we saw with Drew Brees at the end of the season or at the end of his career, where you basically have this dink and dunk offense and you have 
almost no ability to push the ball down the field at all. Now, to be fair to both Breeze as well as Ryan, you know, that really didn't happen to Breeze until this 2019 season, his age 40 season. So we're a couple of years away for that with Matt Ryan uh, at the age of 36. Um, it wasn't really until that 2019 season where you saw a dramatic dip in the Saints' ability to, to push the ball down the field due to Breeze's limitations. But I, I do think it is notable that beginning in 2017 at Breeze's age 38 season, you started seeing the Saints pushing to Moore's and moving towards a little bit more balance in their offense to take some of that pressure off of Drew Brees. And you wonder if that's going to be the same situation with Matt Ryan around his age 38 or so season in a couple of years. Uh, as for the pocket presence, you know, I do think that is a little bit more of a cause for immediate concern with Matt Ryan. He did not handle pressure particularly well these last couple of years uh, than he did earlier in his career. Now, I, as I said, at the end of this past season, I thought the happy feet that he tended to have in 2019 was a bit more problematic than it was in 2020, but it still was not great in 2020. Um, you know, we've known throughout Matt Ryan's career that in games where opposing teams are effective at getting pressure on him early, hitting him in the mouth early in those games, it has a tendency to have a negative effect on the rest of his performance for the rest of the game. That's not unique to Matt Ryan. That tends to happen with a lot of quarterbacks in the league, but one wonders if that's only going to get exasperated uh, with age for Matt Ryan. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people going into this offseason in, in the early part of the pre-draft process before eventually I was able to convince the world that Kyle Pitts uh, was the best option, non-quarterback option for the Falcons. Yes, I will take all the credit for that. And, of course, you know I deserve all the credit for that because I have a blue check, check mark beside my name now on Twitter. And so that's just Twitter agreeing with me that I deserve all the credit. But – you know, I think understandably a lot of people went into this offseason feeling like the offensive line was the biggest areas of concern and needed to sort of the Falcons needed to beef up their protection there. And I don't think that was a wrong sentiment. It was just I don't know if the player, specifically Pene Sewell, uh, was the right pick there given the Falcons don't really have concerns at the offensive tackle position. It's really the interior of their offensive line that is problematic for them. But, you know, you look at uh, some of the, the arguments that were made um, – you know, for why the Falcons needed to upgrade their offensive line. And one of them uh, that was frequently made was just basically throwing out how many times Matt Ryan's been sacked the last couple of years. And he's been sacked 40 plus times in each of the last three seasons. But I think what's notable is when you look at the amount of times Ryan has been pressured in those three years and then compare it to how much of that pressure results in sacks. Matt Ryan does have a tendency to take more sacks at a much higher rate now than he did earlier in his career. Basically, if the rate of pressure to sacks was the same as what it was for the average of his first seven years in the NFL career, Matt Ryan would have taken a combined 29 less sacks over the last three years um, than he did. So almost 10 per year. Uh, and it should be noted that Matt Ryan's two best seasons in terms of his production as a quarterback were in 2016 and 2018 were the years where he was at his worst, at least based off of the pro football focus data that I'm citing here uh, in terms of taking more sacks uh, per pressure than he did throughout the rest of his career. So that doesn't necessarily mean getting sacked a bunch is, is the end of the world, obviously, because it didn't really have a negative effect uh, on him in those years. But I think obviously the, 
goal should be to minimize the amount of negative plays that you take would be a beneficial strategy in the long run, right? It's, it's one of those things where it's not the end of the world, but obviously, you know, it's better for you in general to minimize that. So I guess the point I'm, I'm trying to get to is, you know, I think as Matt Ryan gets older, I'm not sure you can sort of trust in his idea, in his idea as he did presumably in 2016 and 2018 to sort of overcome the pass protection issues and to excel despite some of these issues. So that to me is, it's a concern moving forward. Now, none of that is to sit here and say, Oh, Matt Ryan's done and Matt Ryan's, you know, at the end of the road or anything like that. But it does, at least for me, raise concerns about how many more years can you realistically expect the Falcons to sort of build their offense around Matt Ryan um, and be able to be a consistent winner that way, which is what the Falcons, you know, not necessarily the last couple of years, but throughout Matt Ryan's career have been primarily a pass first offense. And generally, you know, I think over the course of Matt Ryan's 14 years in the NFL, they've averaged about nine wins per season. Um, so in general, they have been a winning team in that span. Um, and so I figure, you know, this year, next year, you'll probably be fine still continuing to play that style of football. But I do think, you know, probably again, probably in Matt Ryan's age 38 season starting in 2023, you're probably at that point moving forward. If Matt Ryan is going to be your quarterback, you're going to have to start leaning a lot more on the running game in the defense to sort of pick up the slack. So that gives the Falcons some time to build towards that. Um, but they're not necessarily there right now. And, you know, this is not necessarily um, a rehash of, you know, whether the Falcons should have taken a quarterback at four, because I know that was certainly a, a very, in a lightning rod of a, a topic this off season. And it's not to sit here and say, Oh, Matt Ryan's on, on, on the decline or whatever the case may be. Um, or, you know, I, I think Matt Ryan is on the decline. I don't think he's as good now as he was several years ago, but like, I don't think it's like a sharp drop off is what I'm trying to get at. But this is more getting back to the issue I have discussed uh, probably ad nauseum over the last eight or nine months, which is about the team, you know, picking a plan, picking a path, picking a strategy and just sprinting full down, uh, full bore down that path. Um, and I feel like if you have made the choice to make Matt Ryan, you know, the quarterback for the foreseeable future, you know, for the next three to five years or whatever the case may be, which I think is a perfectly reasonable and rational choice for this organization to make, you know, I think you have to build a, a, the right supporting cast around him and, and put the right team around him in order to maximize those next three to five years that you presumably have with him. And that's where generally I have my concerns about the Falcons decisions this off season, um, which I don't know if they really, sprinted down that path. I think they're just sort of doing a light jog at this point in time when it comes to specific issues like beefing up the offensive line to help mitigate some of the stuff that we just talked about, as well as, you know, putting more of the burden of to carry the offense on the running game. And I, again, I feel like the Falcons made modest gains in that regard. They did, you know, invest in those areas of their roster this off season, um, certainly with their moves, but 
you know, I guess I'm just a little impatient to sort of see the big strides forward. Like I think they made modest gains, but I want to see those big strides forward. I want to be able to look at this roster and say the interior of their offensive line is the strength of their own line. I want to be able to look at this roster and say, look, we have one of the top, you know, eight to 10 running backs in the, in the NFL. And we're going to have one of the top 10 rushing games in the league. And I don't know if we're going to have that uh, this year. So hopefully the Falcons will make those bigger strides next off season if and when they have a little bit more cap space and wiggle room and a little bit more breathing room to make some of these big, bold decisions. And, and again, that's going to be a topic of conversation that you're going to hear me talk about several times over the next several months, as you've heard me talk about over the past several months. So to me, obviously that's for the future of this team. Let's talk a little bit more about the immediate impact and immediate expectations surrounding Matt Ryan and this Falcons offense. And, you know, the big question is how much improvement will this offense have under Arthur Smith's play calling? And while that's unknown, I think uh, there's reason to be optimistic given Arthur Smith's tendency towards play action passing. And if all we get from Arthur Smith uh, in this upcoming season is that he increases the amount of, of play action passing and little else uh, is different of this offense. You know, I think that alone will result in Matt Ryan having a much better season and potentially one of the better seasons that he's had in his career only behind those 2016 and 2018 seasons. And one of the things I did was crunch the numbers and looked at Matt Ryan's numbers when in play action passing versus non-play action passing over the last six seasons. And even if Matt Ryan is only, average in terms of what he has been combined over the last six years in those categories this upcoming season. All you got to do is basically dial up the play action passing to comparable rates to what we saw from Arthur Smith's offense in Tennessee the past two years. And the numbers sort of bore out that Matt Ryan would likely have, um, you know, if you look at his efficiency metrics, like passer rating and adjusted net yards per attempt, like Anya, um, you know, it would likely have his third best season of his career only behind that 2016 and 2018 season. So, for example, you know, if Ryan, Ryan over the last six years has combined to have about 24% of his dropbacks be play action passes, his passer rating on those play action pass plays is 106, and his yards per attempt is about 9.3. Now, you compare that to his non play action pass rating is 97, and his yards per attempt is 7.4. But in 2019, Tennessee ran 31% of at least Matt uh, Ryan Tannehill's dropbacks were play action passing, and that was increased to 36% in 2020. And, you know, for the sake of comparison, Matt, Matt Ryan and the Falcons ran play action 26% of the time last year, so uh, about 10% more. Uh, so the basic premise is if you were to dial up that 26% to even 31%, let alone 36%, you should see an overall increase in the overall efficiency of Matt Ryan uh, just because you're introducing more efficient plays, which are play action passing plays uh, to you know the, the body of work in the pool that he's uh, operating in. You know, and you look at Tannehill's efficiency on play action passes, particularly in 2019, were ridiculously good. You know, he had a yards per attempt of 12.7 on play action passes and a passer rating of 141, which even exceeded Matt Ryan's efficiency numbers in his MVP season on play action passes, which was 11.9 and uh, a yards per attempt of 11.9 and a rating of 121. 
Um, but, you know, Tannehill's efficiency numbers in 2020 were much more in line with what Matt Ryan's averages have been over the past six years, with Tannehill having a yards per attempt of 9.6 compared to Ryan's 9.3 and a rating of 110 compared to Ryan's 106. So that feels like, you know, the 2019 season in a lot of ways, similar to Matt Ryan's 2016 season, seems to be a little bit of an outlier as opposed to the norm that you can expect, obviously, where we can be optimistic and hope that uh, Matt Ryan has a year like Tannehill's 2019 or like his 2016. But, uh, you know, obviously no one's going to complain if he does wind up having a year like that, that would be the ideal, but he doesn't necessarily need to put up numbers like that in order to see improvement under Arthur Smith uh, this upcoming season. So, you know, I think, you know, one of the questions that we're going to have is, you know, how much does the absence and departure of Julio Jones affect these numbers, you know, the positive is that Matt Ryan's play action passing efficiency in the games where Julio was out of the lineup were better than the games where Julio was in the lineup. Thanks in large part to Ryan having very productive play action passing performances in week three against the bears and week 15 against the bucks and week 16 against the chiefs. Um, and you know, in particular, those games had a lot of connections uh, to Calvin Ridley on some big plays off of play action, as well as, you know, there was a Luke Stocker play. There was a Todd Gurley play in there, et cetera. Russell Gage had a, one of a handful of his big plays uh, off of play action. And I think that bucks game, um, so it seems like the Falcons, you know, one of the strategies that Cutter eventually figured out uh, was that, oh, Julio's not in the game. We're going to dial up play action passing. And that seemed to work in several games, not all games. Um, it doesn't mean that Julio was like holding Matt Ryan back or, or anything like that, because I know, you know, there is a tendency for people to glom on to any narrative that would suggest that the Falcons that don't need Julio Jones. Um, it was just that some of Matt Ryan's better games of the year uh, in terms of play action passing featured, you know, Julio out of the lineup. If you look at his four best games um, based off of various metrics, you know, three of them were the games where Julio was out of the lineup, but he also had some of his worst games of the year, at least in terms of if you limit it to play action passing uh, when Julio was out of lineup as well. So the, the one thing that you saw, the pattern that I saw notice was that pretty, you know, his, his, his efficiency was pretty consistent, a little bit more consistent in terms of play action passing um, in the games where Julio was healthy. Um, you know, his grades, his pro football focus grades in those games tended to be in the 60s and 70s pretty consistently uh, in those, you know, nine or so games. Um, you know, in the games where Julio was out of the lineup, you had a couple of 40 games, 40 graded games, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And so it was a little bit more volatile, a little bit less stable. And I think that's kind of what, you know, I've talked about in the past where, what you're going to miss from not having Julio Jones on the roster is that he introduces stability and, you know, uh, reduces volatility into, you know, the, the solar system as I've termed it, but, you know, into the offense really. And so that's one of the concerns that you have moving forward. And we'll just sort of see if Arthur Smith's presence alone can help, you know, as a play caller, help stabilize that destabilization. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I'm, I'm optimistic that Arthur Smith will be able to do that. You know, the one trend I noticed looking at, Tannehill's games in Tennessee last year in terms of his play action passing was that in the games where his play action passing grade was 65 or higher, the Titans were nine and one. And in the games where he was graded below 65, they were two and four. Now correlation does not mean causation, um, but at least on the surface level that, and as well as the fact that uh, most of the Titans games where they lost were also games that they 
did not utilize a ton of play action or at least relatively a lot of play action compared to some of their other games where, you know, it was 35, 40% of their uh, passing plays. It does seem like, at least on the surface, that the Titans offense was very reliant uh, on their play action passing to be uh, as productive as it was through the air. And so we'll just sort of have to see uh, if that's something that is a continued trend uh, here in Atlanta under Arthur Smith or will he be better able to uh, adapt away from that um, and modify that, um, you know, in the event that the Falcons play action passing is not always, you know, crisp each and every week. So, you know, in the end, I expect a a very good year from Matt Ryan due to the fact that I think Arthur Smith will be a lot more committed to play action passing. um, And it should wind up being probably one of Matt Ryan's best seasons of his career, uh, potentially top three. That's my expectation going into the season. Um, And I think, you know, for me, you know, not to, throw out any ultimatums, but uh, kind of need that, you know, given the Falcons, um, you know, again, not relitigating that number four overall pick, but you kind of need Matt Ryan to have that type of year in order for the conversation over, did the Falcons make the right choice uh, with that draft pick for that answer, for that question to at least uh, that conversation to sort of go by the wayside. Um, so, my main concerns with Matt Ryan are not necessarily for the immediate future, but where he's going to be as a quarterback, as a passer, um, you know, two, three or more years down the road. Um, but we'll just have to see how that unfolds. And my, my hope is that the team is able to mitigate whatever concerns I have about Matt Ryan's future with some high quality team building and, and building a better supporting cast around him, as well as some high quality play calling from Arthur Smith. Uh, and, and that's where we'll leave it with the Matt Ryan conversation. We'll continue. Team today's Locked On Falcons quarterback training camp preview by talking about the backups, and we'll take a deeper look at AJ McCarron and see sort of what type of quarterback and what type of backup quarterback we're getting in AJ McCarron, as well as whether or not a player like Felipe Franks could be, you know, the answer to the long-term Falcons quarterback question marks uh, moving forward. So we'll talk about that coming up on today's Locked On Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys. You know, we're talking about the future and drafting quarterbacks maybe in the Falcons future uh, at some point. And of course, uh, if you want to get sort of the skinny on what next year's quarterback draft class will look like, of course, there are two podcasts uh, on the Lockdown Podcast Network that give you uh, daily updates on, you know, the upcoming 2022 NFL draft. And of course, that's the locked on NFL draft podcast, as well as the draft dudes podcast. And you can find them both, um, on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So guys, did you know that built bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market has several delicious flavors, whether you're a big fan of coconut almond like me, or you prefer mint brownie cookies and cream, cherry, barcia, double chocolate, salted caramel, coconut, or raspberry. There's something for everyone. And there's also the occasional limited time flavor too, like grasshopper cookie, German chocolate cake. I've already been on sale this summer. You got orange and strawberry still on sale throughout the summer and you can try them all with a mix box and you'll want to do so and get that healthy snack that tastes just like a candy bar that gives you none of the guilt. Built bars contain hundred percent real chocolate. There's soft and easy to chew. My favorite, the coconut almond tastes just like an almond joy. 
And it's not just about the built bar taste as they do taste great, but they're also healthy too. They're low in sugar and calories, high in protein and fiber. And you can take advantage of this healthy snack by heading over to builtbar.com and using the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. So let's talk about AJ McCarron. Brought to Atlanta due to, probably due to his familiarity with TJ Yates after spending the past two years in Houston with the Texans. Yates is, of course, the Falcons, I think his official title is passing game specialist or something like that. Um, and he served as an assistant coach for the Texans the past two years, including as an assistant quarterbacks coach with the Texans in 2020. You know, McCarron's most extended experience uh, in the NFL came in his second NFL season back in 2015 with the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that drafted him in the fifth round of the 2014 draft. And McCarron fielding in for an injured Andy Dalton started the final four games of that year, including three regular season games and uh, a playoff game against the Steelers, which was the infamous Joey Porter game where he was able to sort of draw a penalty from Pac-Man Jones in the final seconds that led to a game-winning field goal for the Steelers in that game. Um, and then a few years later, McCarron's career kind of got sidetracked in 2017 because the Cleveland Browns, then under head coach Hugh Jackson, who was the offensive coordinator in 2015 when McCarron did start for the Bengals, um, wanted to sort of bring him in uh, and try to make a trade for him midway through that season to replace Deshaun Kaiser as their starting quarterback, given Kaiser's struggles. And unfortunately, that trade never went through because the Browns didn't file their paperwork in time. And instead, the Browns wound up being terrible that year, as you know, securing the number one pick and deciding, you know what, rather than going after A.J. McCarron, let's go after this guy named Baker Mayfield. And McCarron wound up signing in free agency with the Buffalo Bills, uh, where he was once again poised to win the starting quarterback spot and then got hurt due to a broken collarbone, which then eventually led to their rookie that year, Josh Allen, taking over. And before the season even began, he was traded to the Raiders uh, and basically was the backup to Derek Carr and got a few limited reps and garbage time in two games that year. And then he signed with the Texans to be Deshaun Watson's backup the following year where he has served over the last two seasons. He did start in the season finale in 2019 when the Texans were resting their starters and was just okay. You know, I think the thing with McCarron is that when he's been at his best, particularly in that late season run with the Bengals, he was effectively a an effective game manager, able to sort of distribute the ball to some of the playmakers that they had with guys like AJ Green at that time and Marvin Jones and I'm trying to think who was the other who was the third wide receiver on that team. Uh, it'll come to me. But uh, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about Ryan's tendency to take sacks at a higher rate than he did earlier in his career. And, and that's been, you know, you look at some of the numbers from AJ McCarron and that's been a, an issue throughout his career. Thanks to some of that limited mobility that he has, right? If you just looked at and said, okay, let's replace AJ McCarron with Matt Ryan last year in Atlanta in 2020 and say he gets pressured the same amount of times um, based off of the pro football focus numbers in terms of how much pressure gets converted to sacks, how many sacks he takes, based off of how much he's pressured, you know, AJ McCarron would have been sacked 53 times last year instead of the 41 times like Matt Ryan was. So that's an issue. So, um, you know, I think if he does get extended reps, expect it to start to expose some of the weaknesses of the offensive line. Um, but I think in the, in the most part, AJ McCarron is a perfectly capable, functional middle of the pack QB two. 
you know, you have a player that when you look at his five career starts in those games, his production in those games in terms of his efficiency is on par with what, say, Mike Glennon has had across his NFL career. So definitely not a guy that I think has shown himself to be anything more than like a seat warmer slash a low level bridge quarterback, uh, which is what he was in Buffalo and and, uh, for Josh Allen. But, you know, that's still a functional backup quarterback. And who knows? Maybe if he, that trade had gone through in 2017 with the uh, Browns, he, he might have shown himself to be much better than that. If he hadn't gotten hurt in 2018 and got traded to the Raiders, maybe he could have shown himself to be much better than that. But I think, you know, for right now, you're looking at A.J. McCarron to basically be a bridge QB2 for the Falcons. And we'll just sort of have to see if he's a long-term backup for Matt Ryan um, or you know, at what point in the future, which I think is really the big question, are the Falcons going to try and draft Matt Ryan's heir apparent, right? And really make a significant investment uh, into the future of this quarterback position. Um, and, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that the Falcons can use a first round pick on a quarterback, but you could perhaps see them nabbing somebody on day two of the draft and rounds two or three that they feel like they can develop, right? One of those second tier quarterbacks, similar to what a lot of people thought the Falcons might do this year with drafting guys like Kyle Trask or, or whoever, you know, I know Kellen Mond was very popular among uh, several Falcon fans this past off season. So we could see something similar to that in the future. And so I think essentially McCarron is a bridge to that player. Um, and whether that's, you know, that bridge is a year long or two, three years long remains to be seen. You know, the interesting thing for me is that traditionally, when you look at McCarron's career, uh, whether it was in Buffalo, Oakland or Houston, he was paid a lot more money uh, to be the backup quarterbacks there than what he set to make in Atlanta this year. Um, but I think in part due to the lack of interest uh, that he seemingly uh, garnered this offseason, kind of had to settle for a veteran minimum contract. So maybe he won't necessarily someone will come along and say, we'll give you $3 million or $4 million to be our backup, which I feel, I, I tend to be skeptical that the Falcons are going to be willing to pay um, next year. It just seems like a luxury item, particularly when you, you can draft a much cheaper player in the, in the draft. But, um, you know, when it comes to looking for that heir apparent, I'm, I'm sure there's some people out there that are hopeful that the quarterback three in Atlanta currently, Felipe Franks could be that guy. Again, that's something I would be skeptical of. You know, Franks was probably a tad too inconsistent in college. Uh, and that usually doesn't translate to that guy suddenly becoming uh, more than just a sort of standard developmental quarterback in the NFL. Uh, you know, Franks certainly has size. He has an arm, uh, has a little bit more athleticism that at least, you know, on some of these bootlegs off of the play action, he can do probably do a little bit more damage than guys like Ryan and, and McCarron can. Uh, but he, to me, he's a project. And barring him coming out and, and lighting it up this summer like Dominique Davis did back in 2012 or John Parker Wilson did in 2009 uh, or even Kurt Banker did for that one game in, the, in 2018, um, I think you're just looking at another sort of placeholder type of player. Uh, that could be a decent stash as a third quarterback that probably you stash on the practice squad, but probably is not going to be much more than that. You know, the player that I'm reminded of when I expect Franks to kind of be, if even if he works out in Atlanta, is kind of like Tyler Bray, who was an undrafted free agent out of Tennessee. 
uh, SEC fans will probably remember him back in 2013, signed with the Chiefs in the same year that Andy Reid took over when they brought in Alex Smith. Uh, and Bray was the quarterback three. He made the team behind Alex Smith and, and Chase Daniel that year, um, but then dealt with some injuries the next couple of years. Um, and then when the Chiefs moved on and, and went after Patrick Mahomes, you know, Bray remained the quarterback three behind Mahomes and Smith. Uh, but then the following year, when they were ready to turn the page to Patrick Mahomes, they moved on from Tyler Bray. And so any notion that Tyler Bray was sort of the heir apparent to Alex Smith went out the window. He followed Matt Nagy to Chicago and basically was the third quarterback there behind guys like Trubisky and Chase Daniel. And then last year with Nick Foles sort of uh, swapping out for Chase Daniel and, you know, we'll see sort of what Bray, you know, I think Bray is currently unsigned, but, you know, he was able to be a talented, uh, you know, undrafted free agent that was able to stick for three years in the NFL as a third stringer, thanks in large part to his familiarity uh, with a specific scheme, the specific set of coaches. And I think that's kind of the best case scenario that I would imagine for someone like a Felipe Franks, if he does endear himself to Arthur Smith and his coaching staff that, you know, they might be able to keep him around as that third quarterback uh, for a number of years on the practice squad and thanks to the practice squad rules. You know, it's not one of those things where, Oh, you can only be a practice squad player for two years and then the team has to turn the page you know nowadays you know you at least in theory you could wind up being a Tyler Bray type of player and spend eight years on a practice squad uh, thanks to the the changes in the rules so I think that's a possibility for Felipe Franks and you know again at some point the Falcons are going to have to make a significant investment in regards to the future of the quarterback position and whether we see that in 2022 or whether we see that in 2026 or sometime in between you know obviously that remains to be seen but I think guys like McCarron and Franks really are just kind of placeholders until the Falcons get to that point so we'll see how that turns out, but eager to see what those guys can do in training camp. Um, you know, we don't have a illustrious history of great backup quarterback play uh, outside of Matt Schaub and the occasional Kurt Bankert game and the occasional Dominique Davis and John Parker Wilson game uh, over the last decade here in Atlanta. So maybe that changes under Arthur Smith. That would be a welcome change so that we don't all fall asleep in the third quarters of these various preseason games uh, this summer. So if you're curious, when I talked about sort of projecting the numbers on Matt Ryan in terms of what my projections wound up turning out to be in, in some of these areas. And a lot of it, you know, putting volume on it in terms of the volume stats, is hard to do because without knowing exactly uh, how many passes Matt Ryan is going to throw this year, you know, it could be 600, it could be 650, it could be more than that. So we'll, we'll see. But, you know, I was looking at numbers when you looked at some of those uh, efficiency metrics, looking at his yards per attempt um, being somewhere approaching eight yards per attempt, which is, is very high in the league, having a completion percentage somewhere around 66, 67%, possibly higher than that, you know, potentially in terms of touchdowns, something in the 28 to 30 plus range, somewhere around there. And, and then in terms of interceptions, something around a dozen or so interceptions, just because there has been this trend uh, for Matt Ryan throughout his career 
that when he has a new play caller, he tends to throw a lot more interceptions, whether it's 2008, whether it's 2012, 2015, 17, and 19, tends to throw a lot more interceptions in those years than a lot of other seasons. Uh, so I, you know, if that trend continues, then he'll probably wind up with, you know, I don't know, somewhere between 10 and 14 interceptions this year or something like that. So we'll see how that goes. Again, a lot of that depends on how many passes he throws in terms of like Anya or passer rating. You know, I think he'll be in the high nineties at the very least, um, which will be, you know, toward, you know, something 98, 99 at a minimum, possibly in the hundreds uh, in terms of his passer rating and probably an Anya somewhere between like seven point three and probably like 7.6 or something like that. So those are my expectations for, for Matt Ryan's numbers this upcoming season. And hopefully, you know, it will skew up uh, so that we don't have to deal with, you know, part two of the civil war uh, with Matt Ryan next off season. And, and that will not be uh, something that, you know, tires us out during the off season where everybody's at each other's throats for four months talking about, oh, we got to get rid of Matt Ryan. We got to replace Matt Ryan, blah, 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 blah. So hopefully that is the case. And, and Falcons Twitter can be a little bit more peaceful, uh, you know, six months from now. So we'll just see how that turns out guys. And, um, before we duck out of here, I do want to let you guys know that you should check out the Lockdown Today podcast uh, in case your curiosity for the worlds of sports uh, goes beyond the Atlanta Falcons because host Peter Bukowski of the Lockdown Today podcast has you covered with all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, guys, tomorrow we will be talking about the running backs and the all-important, right? This is the day you guys have been waiting for. Lockdown fullbacks. We are coming, right? So, certainly that will be, um, you know, on deck for tomorrow. Appreciate it, guys. Till then.